Welcome back to Grim Sessions. I'm Olivia. And I'm Lainey. Hello. Hi. Yeah, we suck at um, yeah. everything. We're going to have to figure this intro thing out. Um, not only that, but it's been months. <laughs> uh, but then it again, has been... hey, look, look, we just started. We're fine. No, it hasn't been a month. Well, like it's been over a month since we've recorded, but I... It's been a while. Yeah, it's been since March 3rd. Um, my week's been good. There's this cute guy that comes into my work with his friends. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know his name. He, like, begged... Have you been his waitress yet? Twice. Did he tip you? Yeah. They all tip me. Like, six bucks each. No, like, literally... And he's cute, too. Last time he came... Or not last time, but the time before that, it was my second day being certified and i had to do it all by myself and i got like rushed hardcore i had to stay there till 10 and i was an hour late the next morning because i like it messed with me bad (laughs) i got (laughs) they were like let's throw the new girl in the pit in the fire see how she does and i I swam pretty good um but anyways he got he ordered a whole gallon of chocolate milk we had to call our boss to what? see how much it was. And then he was like, how for much is it? For himself or for, like, the No, for table? him. Oh. Hmm. Chalky, chalky milk make feelings and pain go away. Chalky I milk. chocolate milk so I much. love chocolate milk. But then again, well, I like I milk. Well, I think I just think about it because one time when we were, like, really young and Ryan's used to be over there. Yeah. Um, <gasps> one time, Levi was, like, really little. And, like, that waitress was just, like, freaking piling the chocolate milk into him like every single time oh, he finished bless. one she brought him another did one he and i'll never forget did like, he, he choke the chalky milk up. he threw up <laughs> everywhere and it was just like chocolate no. milk but it was also like chunky from the food it was really bad it was really bad he choked the chalky yeah milk. and like when i say throw up i mean like projectile like that's awful it was disgusting ryan's we used to go there like every other sunday like after church and stuff um, and at one time, it was my first win on a vending machine. <laughs> w. Um, and I won a purple turtle. And I named it Shelly. And it has, I don't know where it is now, but, um, if we were to find it, it would have a little brown stain on its mouth where I tried to feed her chocolate ice cream. Story. Is there any updates with our podcast? <laughs> um, okay. Oh, oh! We still the have cover the two colors. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. So none of we aren't, like, getting know. that much followers. Wait, we're going to have to post it. I don't know what to do. We're, well, we're just going to have to, like, keep on. Tell um, me to post it. Oh, we got to change our Instagram po- profile to the um, cover art. Yeah. Woo! We just need more followers, dude. Like, I don't know how people do this. But I guess it kind of makes sense because most of the podcasters that we listen to, like Morbid and stuff like that, they have been doing this for, like, three years now. So, we've only been doing this for, like, three months, so. <laughs> I guess we have some time to grow our following. But, um, yeah, Olivia's making the Instagram post. Alright. So, if you want to see it, <laughs> then follow us on our Instagram at Grim Sessions Podcast. Dude, you know that thing I sent you on TikTok about us being, tw- like, soulmates? We're your soulmates? I don't know if I've seen it. Because you can have multiple soulmates in just one twin flame. You know that, right? Um, yeah. I remember I was watching a video on that a long I think, time 
me and you are definitely soulmates. Maybe I could just jump right into it. Okay. Okay. I'd say we've got enough Okay. So today, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to be talking about something you guys may have heard of. Um, I'm talking about Marie Delphine McCarty. Uh, she is also featured, like, I don't know if any of you guys will recognize this. I mean, I'm sure quite a few of you will, really. Um, in American Horror Story Season 3. Um, Coven. Yep. Oh, she's the white Girl. lady who... She's the crazy. The okay, so I'm ready to hear this because all I know is from American Horror Story, and it's pretty obvious that American Horror Story has gotten a lot of things wrong in the past. So I'm excited to hear what really happened. Yeah, you are. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Well, then let's begin. Maureen Delphi McCarty was born March 19th, 1787 in New Orleans, New, New Orleans, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. What do you, how do you say it? I think New Orleans think or New, New Orleans. Orleans. Oh, New Orleans. I don't know. I guess it's like, okay, how you whatever. Feel moment. How you feel? <laughs> All right. She was born in New Orleans to Louis Bartholomew and Bartholomew. Bartholomew. Louis Bartholomew and Marie Jean McCarty. Mm-hmm. Her birthday is said to be unknown, but it's like between 1780, 1790. All right. So. Nice. I just had to like keep that there just in case that one was it too, you know? Yeah. Um, The men in her family were rather like successful. Don't read my notes. Well, I'm not reading. I'm yeah, just, you are. I, I promise <laughs> you I'm not. I don't want to know. Okay. The men in her family were rather successful, which basically gave women and children very lavish lives. Like, they had the dough. They had that. I wonder, I'm trying to think of, like, what the time they had, like, the 1700s was. The 1700s? That's, like, the late 1700s. So we're thinking almost. That was, like, whenever people wore big dresses and, like, stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. So, like, um,. Shoot. Oh, Bridgerton, kind of. I'm feeling Bridgerton vibes, but in America. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Her family had, like, over 1,300 acres of plantation. Jesus Christ. And with plantation, we know what comes next. God awful. I'm not prepared for this. For the American Horror Story lovers, you know what's coming next. Um, Mm. Actually, I feel like... With everything that's been going on, we should put a trigger warning. Delphine's uncle was the governor of two Spanish-American provinces, so, like, wealth, you know, that adds to mm-hmm. it. At the time of Delphine's childhood, New Orleans and much of the rest of Louisiana was under Spanish control. So, like, I don't know. I'm just trying to, like, give you a little bit of history and, like, some setting, yeah. you know, like, setting, time frame, etc., um, her mom had, like, pretty, like, big parties, balls, I guess, and was known for being, like, a good host. Like, she was very social and able to take care of her guests very well, like, drinks, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, she liked pranks whenever she was a teenager. Who did? Um. Madame Delphine? Or her mom? Her mom. Oh. Like, she liked pulling pranks at her parties. mm that was just like a little fun fact they threw in her early life 
Her mom liked pranks. Her mom likes pranks. <laughs> she loved pranking Great people at the parties. <laughs> but she died in 1807. <laughs> oh, oh, hold on. I was so confused. I was thinking 1707. I was like, that doesn't Backtrack. make sense at all. Her mother is not her mother. Um, her dad moved on pretty fast. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how I he, that's how, that's how he coped. Mm-hmm. That's how all men cope now that I think about it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. In 1815, Sophie gave birth to a daughter, Delphine Amessi McCarty. The child's godparents were Delphine and her brother, Louis. So she has a sibling named after her. Hmm. Yeah. That's weird. And Sophie was like the stepmom, right? Oh, Amber Alert. Um, yeah. Sophie, like, whenever I said he moved on, he moved on fast. He had more kids and stuff like that. <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> the McCarty men had quite a bit of relationships with free women of color. Mm-hmm. So, like, she literally had, like, relatives who were mixed. Hmm trying to think i mean i'm like trying to figure out like so well that's kind of like i feel like that happened a lot in that time frame a lot of like white men did um have relationships whether they were like you know um consensual or whatever Mm -hmm. with a lot of women of color but from what i know it was like if they did end up having a child together, it was like that child had nothing to do with, like, the father. Like, I don't know if the case is different in this one, but, like, I know that, like, in most cases, the fathers just would not treat that child as if it was Yeah, sometimes his. they'd kill the kids and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Delphine's uncle, Eugene, had a 54-year relationship with a woman of color. So, oh. But it was, like, a relationship. Huh. Um, nice. Her Eulalie... Yulali, Mandeville, Dem, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I can't speak any languages, <laughs> but Yulali sounds right for that one. Yulali's mother was enslaved and her father was the Count. Oh. Yeah. Um, Eugene also had children with two other free women of color. Five children in total. In Eugene? Fact. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so he had... Okay. So, yeah, they like to get around. <laughs> they like to They like to pump the babies out. I wonder how many kids people have back then. They like to... Like, I wonder what the highest amount of kids one person has ever had. Paul Revere had, up. like, 19. Dude. Jesus Dude's Christ. literally... Well, I guess nowadays there's more things you can do about that. Adultery. I was thinking it's illegal. more like birth control. Oh. <laughs> Adultery's illegal, so, like... Isn't that, wait, what, adultery is, like, whenever you sleep outside of the marriage, right? Yeah. Oh. That is crazy that that's, like, literally (laughs) illegal. Cheating is illegal. Yeah. That's not crazy. (laughs) You would think that it would be way less common. It's just not enforced is the thing. Oh, it's depending on marriage Well, it probably is enforced. It's just probably not, like, you're not going to go to jail for cheating. I'm sure of it. You're just going to get, like. Fined. Yeah, and, like, sued and stuff, probably. Yeah, probably. Okay. For the, you know, therapy. <laughs> yeah. And, the, and you're going to get your house taken away and all of your kids, so. 
Um, anyways, so the McCarty family, like, with this being said, like, the McCarty family wasn't, like, known for being racist or anything towards their slaves and, like, mistreating Mm. them. And that's, like, that was a uncommon back then. Everyone really, back then, mistreated their slaves. They just weren't able to, like, they weren't allowed to, you know, cross that line. Um, (laughs) but they were known for not even getting near that line, really. They were very kind. Had lots of babies with lots of women of color. Kala. All right. Now, um, now that we know some of Delphine's background, let's jump to husband one. Oh. <laughs> Delphine was barely 14. That's why, you know, we're not really jumping. This is still her huh. early, early life. Nice. Um, Delphine was barely 14 when she got married for the first time. Her husband was a 35-year-old widow man named... Mm. Ramon Lopez. He was an officer to the Spanish crown and was second in command to the Louisiana governor. The two were married by the bishop at a private ceremony on June 11th, 1800. Mm -hmm. Um, But then he left her with a child and died. Oh. I hate when that happens. So this is before her mother died, correct? I'm guessing so. Or the time frame just doesn't match up. Yeah, but it can be hard to get the time frame right with these Plus, kind of things. Plus, yeah. While he was alive, he was a bit rebellious towards the crown, like the Spanish crown. Mm-hmm. He had pent up anger from his previous wife's death and believed it could have been prevented. And he, like, basically blames the crown. So he went, like, kind of crazy in a way? Not really. He was just more rebellious, didn't care. Hmm. Like, he wanted to, like, make Spain mad. Hmm. Um... And he, like, did little things, like, he wasn't supposed to do, and they knew, and they kept track, and, um, they had an import of captives, like, directly from Africa, like, and he was told not to open it, and then he opened it, and Mm. Spain was just like, nope. Um. That's so crazy, that they literally imported cargo people. Yeah. So, um, like, as his punishment, like, they, like, shuffled him around the globe, Removing him from, like, having a prominent position. Therefore, his marriage wasn't going to last. Yeah, like... Um, so, they're thinking, like, it's also because they married without permission because they went to, like, the bishop, mm-hmm. the private ceremony and stuff like that. But, um, fun fact, Delphine actually visited the queen and wrote letters to get him pardoned because she was pregnant and waiting on him to get back home to New Orleans. Nice. But his vessel hit a sandbar and he died in 1805. Mm. I wonder if they were in love. Like, for real. And then this child, Mary Delphine Francesca, was born. There's a long... It's a really long name. Yeah. Very, 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 very long name. And I don't have... Oh, their child. Yeah. Yeah. Their child was born. Mary Delphine Mm -hmm. Francesca. Delphine moved back to New Orleans as a new moon. Oh, not a new moon. Sorry. Astrology hell. <laughs> um, Delphine moved back to New Orleans as a new mom and widow. She quickly discovered that America had ownership of Louisiana now. Mm. Yeah. So things were changing. Things were changing. You guys can see the time frame. Are we ready to move on to husband too? I think so. Okay. I'm excited. When she was 20. Mm-hmm. She married another widower named Jean-Paul Blanc. Delphine had just inherited one-third of her mother's things, and it's said that 
he may have heard that. Oh, so, so he was, he was trying to, he was a little he was trying snake to snake. A little snake a snake. Mm, a gold digger. This man was ruthless. Mm. And very active in slave trade and politics. Yeah, so money. Hmm. Money, money, money. Um, with Delphine's thirty-three thousand inherit dollar inheritance. Which was a lot back then, I'm sure. Yes. Oh, I mean, I oh, I should have looked that up. I could have had all the facts. The conversion. The conversion. Well, you guys can do that. You know. Yeah. Um, and a hand-me-down <laughs> plantation with 57 slaves and livestock. Livestock, people. As livestock? No, and, no, what? Oh. Girl, what are you talking about? How would that I even thought work? Said, I thought you said 57 slaves as livestock. How would that even work? She said, she said. <laughs> how would that work well, that's, well a lot of messed up stuff was going on back then you yeah don't know. yeah that probably was the case maybe not in this one but in others um but her father then gave her another plantation with 26 slaves over all her inheritance would have equaled about two million today oh that's why i didn't look it up it was already there oh <laughs> yeah so hmm. like her inheritance would have been like over two million dollars today that's pretty decent to just inherit yeah let alone like what she makes probably or made her husband do make a decent amount of money yeah um by 1815 blanc and her had five kids in a louisiana two-story home but when he was 52 he died of course (laughs) but guess what she inherited one thousand or one hundred sixty thousand dollars from him, which was two point five million today. So um, we're at four point five million, ladies and gentlemen, just out of inheritance. So it's fine, everything's fine. But he was actually in debt, mm, so she spent great. a lot of time auctioning his things to pay it off. A lot of uh, Blanc slaves had died due to um, an unknown cause. It said mm. her father. Just keep that in mind: an unknown cause. Um, her father eventually died, eventually, (laughs) died in 1824, and he left her his daughter with a free woman of color, Mm. was included in his will, and $5,000, and two slaves. So not as much, but... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, I guess she didn't need that much. I mean, she really doesn't. She's got it all right now, besides her dead husband's. Anyways, husband three. (laughs) Jesus, how many husbands? Oh, this is the last one. Oh, okay. Next, she married. Know if I can handle anymore. <laughs> yeah. Next, she married Dr. Louis Lalaurie. Mm. Oh, yeah, Madame Lalaurie. Yeah. Um, at this time in her life, she was an experienced rich lady, so she just got just about like anyone. Like, she was. She had all this money, and at this point in her life, she knew exactly what to do with it. And how to get she anything she wanted. Yeah. Madame Delphine became pregnant with Dr. LaLaurie's child out of wedlock. Mm. Like it even matters. At that point. Yeah, I mean. I mean Dr. LaLaurie and Madame Delphine were at a notary negotiating their marriage contract after Jean-Louis Leonard was born. Hmm. So I'm guessing that's a guy. Yeah. I didn't know she had a boy. I did this research and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Well, who knows? The I forget. Names changed. They were going to the church to get the marriage legalized, but they were frowned upon because of wedlock or whatever. <laughs> Just 
way what's coming. I mean, wedlock. That big of a deal. Wedlock. You ain't seen nothing. Yeah. Oh, she's about to get <laughs> shamed. The 40-year-old Delphine was now on her third husband and the 25-year-old <laughs> Dr. Lori. Oh. Yeah, she's a little cradle robber. Yeah. Mm. A cradle robber? <laughs> <laughs> was a new father in a new country with a very wealthy wife. Um, she was a bit of... Oh, I already... I put in my notes, she was a cradle robber, and I almost repeated it. Great minds think alike. Um, saved letters indicate that they fought a lot, and Delphine was cruel to her slaves. Um, she was nice? No, cruel. Oh, she was cruel I, oh, to I thought she said cool to her slaves. No. In 1831, Madame Delphine LaLaurie purchased the Lots on Royal and Hospital, which we know as the infamous haunted LaLaurie Mansion. Mm. She filed for a divorce, if that's what they call it. And she claimed that LaLaurie had treated her in such a manner as to render their living together insupportable. That was quote. <laughs> she also oh. claimed that LaLaurie had beaten her in front of witnesses. Oh, God. Yeah, so we left. We just left. They did. All right. Now we will discuss the fire. Ooh. The fire that uncovered it all broke out on April... Broke out April 10th, 1834. A new Orleans action. That's not a new... Is that really? You kind of sound like... Oh. On April 10th. Oh, okay. I wasn't trying. Okay. It just sounds kind of fancy. All right. There had been rumors and suspicions that snowballed over time, but it said the truth was even nastier. Mm. Bum, bum, bum! Okay. Trigger warning. (laughs) Trigger warning. Trigger warning. Yeah. So if you guys don't want to listen to this part, skip ahead about 20, 30 seconds. Yeah, so be prepared. We've warned you. Yep, you've been warned. Seven slaves were rescued from deplorable conditions. Their bodies covered with scars and loaded with chains. Mm. That is also a quote. While a mob proceeded to destroy the furnishings of the home in outrage, she was ran out. Hmm. Like, the mobs ran her out of her home after what, like, had been discovered. Jeez. Yeah. Um... But she, like, escaped. Their goal was to kill her. Mm-hmm. Just so just so we're clear. They were, they were, they were they ready were, to... They were hunting for blood. Yeah, they, they were out for blood. Um, but she pulled this off by the whole, like, way she pulled off this whole slave thing. Because you're wondering, like... Because it yeah. wasn't legal to mistreat your slaves that badly. Yeah. So, how she pulled this off is she'd have family who would, like, buy her slaves, family and friends. Mm-hmm. And then she would steal them back and then they'd be like oh my slave went missing hmm. oh so they wouldn't know that she had this yeah slave, so they were unaccounted for uh-huh okay and it was like oh whatever escaped slave they'll come back <laughs> like it was like they They're just like, didn't they care got away yeah like they just didn't like think into it yeah I mean, so that's we... how she like got away with the whole thing um but what started the fire was the cook the cook started the fire on purpose. She was a 70-year-old woman who confessed uh, she wanted to commit suicide in order to avoid punishment. Um, so the cook wanted to commit suicide in order to avoid a punishment from Madame LaLaurie. Mm. So she confessed to that. Um, the slaves were being tortured for months and were in critical condition. A 12-year-old slave girl named Leah was brushing Delphine's hair and ended up being whipped for pulling too hard and she was ran off the roof because you know 
Madame LaLaurie was like chasing she, her. She ran off the roof. She literally leaped and died. Witnesses saw LaLaurie burying the girl's corpse, and police were forced to find her $300 and make her sell nine of her slaves. So uh, it was like a fine, but it was illegal. But it was murder. Yeah, but because back then, it being slaves, they, you know. Not only were young women and children her favorite victims, but this leaping to your death thing, as they call it, it's a reoccurring thing. It happened actually a couple weeks or like a little bit before Leah. Mm, so she wasn't the first one who that had happened to. <laughs> yeah, and so like she repeatedly chased victims off her roof. Imagine dying like that. Yeah. She's she's kind of sucky. She was nuts. And like, she's crazy. Um, I just can't believe she treats like her slaves like this coming up from a family who yeah was reportedly nice to their slaves. Mm-hmm. She must have been a really messed up person. Yeah. Like to just change like, I mean, I'm not saying that I get it if you grow up in a family like that, but like. It would be somewhat understandable to have been cruel to your slaves if you grew up in a family that was cruel to your slaves. But, like, to grow up in a nice family who treated your slaves nicely and then to turn out like that. Yeah. Like. It's just, like, with the timing and the circumstances, it's just, you know. Yeah. So, these enslaved people that they, like, had found and that they were able to talk to, um, had wore spiked iron collars to prevent movement of the head. Mm. And they were beaten, bruised, and bloodied, like, bad. Like, they were literally, like, extremely bloody. Their eyes had been gouged out. Their skin had been flayed. And mouths... Were filled with um, feces and sewn mm. shut. So that was actually true from American oh Horror Story, God. if anyone was wondering. Hmm. Their mouths were actually sewn shut with feces. Um, there was a woman whose bones had been broken and reset so that she reassembled, like, basically, she reassembled her and then would break her bones again. Oh my God. Yeah. Um,. Another woman was wrapped in human intestines. It was, um, was Madame LaLaurie, like, single-handedly doing this thing? Yeah. It was her. Yes. She did this all. She was, she had to have been extremely demented. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and one of the people that they had pulled out, they found a hole in his brain, like a, just a, just Mm -hmm. a hole in his head and they found a bloodied wooden spoon next to it so like she was using the end of a wooden spoon and like stirring his brains and this happened like while they were like breathing was the guy still alive when they found him no oh um some say there were only like a handful of bodies other claim there were over 100 victims so jesus Either way, her reputation... I mean, either way, doing it to one person is just yeah. as bad. I mean, you know, I don't know. But she, she, died died in pa- she died in Paris on December 7th, 1849. Supposedly because some other records say she died in 1849. Mm. Or wait, 18, like... Wait, what? 1849 is the same. Other records just yeah, say she yeah. died at a different time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, and there's, like, some conspiracies about it, whatever. I didn't, uh, I tried to find, like, a lot of the conspiracies, but, like, there's only mainly one. She's still alive. Or, no, she's still, no, she's, she's dead. But that's where, like, that's why American Horror Story did the story. Oh, like, you know how she came back to life? It was based off of the conspiracy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it said that she died, then returned to New Orleans. She died, you know, died, then returned to New Orleans under a different name to continue her whole thing Mm. some say her body has never been found some say it has um a man by the name george washington cable said she was killed in a boar hunting accident in 1888 so that's not 1849 like half as bad as she should have died yeah some (laughs) say diabetes um (laughs) some say apparently there were letters between her and her daughters about an ongoing illness so some believe she died from that Claims were made that in 1941, a gravestone read Madame Laurie's um, full name, and her death was 1882. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like, a lot of conspiracies are going down about her. Um, Some people believe she never left New Orleans, but the letters between her and her children indicate she lived a peaceful life in Paris, yet didn't understand why she was driven out of New Orleans. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't understand? (laughs) Um, she was clearly pure evil and justified her violence by saying they defied natural order. Really? She said, like, literally she said that the reason, like, she did all that was because they defied natural order. Um, but no one knows, like, whether this has to do, like, with instability or um, insanity today or, like, anything like that. Um, Mm. but most of my facts are from ghostcitytours.com, historythings.com, and thinkco.com. That's where I got, uh, some of my opinions and conspiracies as well, so just keep that in mind before you come at me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like this story. It's kind of like, it's just really dark, and I don't like it. Yeah. I just can't... Really put a poo-poo. Like, it just... mm. (laughs) Five-year-old Olivia is trying to communicate right this right now. It just really put a, like such a downer yeah it is a downer because like yeah we watched it on american horror story love blood guts gore all that crap but like the fact that it like happened yeah the fact that it's like real the story that i'm doing today um i really decided to do it because my friend jaylee she like i guess this case kind of hits close to home to her and her family because they had met um, this woman and gone to her hair salon and all this sort of stuff but today I'm going to be talking about Patrice Indras so I'm going to give you guys a little bit of background but on April 15th in 2004 Pistol Black was a sophomore in high school at the time and he said that the morning his mother disappeared they had argued briefly because he wanted to get to school early because he figured if he did then he would have more time to talk to his girlfriend Um, when Patrice went to drop him off, she told him that she loved him, and Pistol told her that he loved her too, and that was the last time he ever spoke to his mother. (laughs) Pistol describes Patrice as being one of the most kind-hearted, selfless people in the world, and an extraordinarily involved mother. Uh, he joked about, um, and, you know, I just want to say really quick that, um, most of the information I could find out of this case was from the Netflix kind of documentary series, unsolved mysteries their episode i think it's called 13 minutes because i tried looking up stuff about this case and it like everything that pops up is just like a summary of what happened in that episode so um 
basically every bit of information I'm getting is coming out of what was talked about in the episode of Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. But, um, Pistol, he, like, kind of joked around saying that his mom was always telling him, oh, style your hair this way, or, oh, color it this way, or why don't you just do this with your hair? So, so he just said, like... yeah, like, he said that every single day he would show up to, like, school with, like, a different style or a different hair color, and he just kind of joked about that, but. So is he still alive? Mm-hmm. Pistol's still alive. Pistol Black. That's not his real name, but that's, like, what he's been called. But his mom isn't? Mm, Wait, then what we'll happens? I don't it. understand. Um, uh, he says uh, that she always had a passion for doing hair and that she loved to make people beautiful is what he said. Um, also, Patrice's friend, Nancy Hunt, she said that she was always smiling and always super positive. So that just kind of gives you guys like a little idea of what Patrice was like as a person. Um, but now I'm going to dive into her disappearance oh so she disappears yes so patrice indres was working at her hair salon it was called tambor's trim and tan and it's in cummings georgia um oh shoot what yeah all right <laughs> uh, she placed a phone call at eleven thirty-seven a.m but just 13 minutes later at eleven fifty-nine a.m she didn't pick up the phone when someone had called so, it's believed that she had been abducted in this 13-minute time frame. Um, when investigators showed up, it appeared as though there had been a disturbance. Her lunch had been sitting on the counter and the cash register was still left open. So, it it kind of looked like she had either rushed out or... Someone stopped something. her. But, like, her car was still there. Like, she was just gone. Like, all of her stuff was there, but she was gone. And it seemed like someone had just stopped her abruptly or, like... And like, took her. Just took her. Yeah. Just or lure. distracted her or lured, like, like lured her, her yeah. somewhere or something. There's many possibilities. Um, That's awful. So, Pistol got pulled from class that day, and he was asked if he had heard from his mom. And Pistol said that he hadn't, and he was then asked to call her. And Pistol, he said that he knew something was wrong right in that moment because he said that his mother was the type of person that, like... If you called her, she almost always answered. And even if she couldn't get to the phone because something was going She'd on, it back. was like she almost immediately called back. Yeah. So he said that right in that moment, he knew that something wasn't right. Um, and then after three phone call attempts, she still hadn't answered. Yeah. So, and this is a little piece of, like, something that I found about it, but some witnesses and stuff um, claimed that they saw a blue car parked in the driveway of the hair salon that morning. And they said that they thought that they saw a man and a woman fighting in the two front seats. So, like, a little blue car, and then there was a man and a woman did in the front seat. Did they have a little blue car? Arguing. I don't know. I don't know if I, meant, like, wrote that, but if I did, I forgot. But, um, anyway, so now, um... I'm really, like, interested in this story. <laughs> it's really interesting. It's just, like, really hard to find... I'm trying to, like, talk like, and be talkative, but, like, I, I'm, like, so in, like, I'm, I'm listening. It's just hard to find information about the case. That's okay. But, keep anyway. So, however, on December 6th in 2004, nearly two years after Patrice's disappearance, her remains were found by a church member, Albert Clark, behind Lebanon Baptist Church. He said that he and a friend were eating breakfast 
biscuits as a matter of fact they were sitting um behind the church on the like back porch eating biscuits that morning okay when they saw buzzards surrounding an area in the woods near the church so after a while you know they kind of were like oh well i wonder what's out there you know they've been around there for a minute um so at first they had spotted a deer and they figured that's what they were after but while inspecting the area clark and his friend found what they believed to be a skull hidden amongst the leaves um, DNA testing did, in fact, prove that the remains did belong to Patrice Indres. So, wait, what so happened they found, to her? They, we don't know. What? They found a they skull. They only found her skull? No, they found a skull and, like, a few other remains. I don't know if they found everything, but I know that so they found a skull and, like, a few other. So, how would she have had to been missing? She was, like, a full-on skeleton. This was, like, two years later. Oh, okay. And, um, I'm gonna kind of, I, I didn't write this down, but I remember they believed that she did die the day that she went missing well, that's, or at least around that time that's good at least we know she wasn't tortured or anything like yeah. that yeah well we don't know 100 percent, but that's oh, just yeah. kind of like their theory because it had been so long since her disappearance like her body was clearly extremely decomposed there was yeah. like nothing left so you know i mean they couldn't really tell but that's kind of just their theory anyway <laughs> So now I'm going to go into some theories about what happened to Patrice. Um, the first theory is about Gary Hilton, which if any of you guys are familiar with the case of like, um, I think it's like the murder on Blood Mountain or whatever. Um, Gary Hilton, he was a serial killer who in the span of 2005 and 2008 killed four hikers in Florida, North Carolina, and Georgia. Um, one of the most compelling pieces of evidence, I would have to say, is that Gary Hilton apparently liked to con people out of money, and one of his favorite places to do this was hair salons. And he also visited... And that's, is that where she worked? Yes, and he also visited frequently around noon, which was the exact time that Patrice would have gone missing. Okay, so... So, I mean, circum... I mean, you know, like, circumstantially, he fits. Mm, yeah. And he... And he was, like, a is roamer. Is he in that like, area? He, went, he was a roamer. Like, oh, he, yeah, yeah, This was, um, 2004... He he would have been in that area. He traveled between, like, kind of Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina. Like, he kind of just traveled around, like, um, the southeast. But anyway, um, so now I'm going to talk about this guy named Jeremy Jones. So Jeremy Jones was convicted of murdering 45-year-old Lisa Marie Nichols in 2005 while awaiting death row. He had confessed to multiple other murders. While speaking to investigators in Alabama, Jones told them that he needed to tell them about a hairdresser in Georgia. And this is a quote from him. He said, She said she had a family that loved her very much. She started crying, which started to make me cry. He also claimed that he threw her body into a river, but nobody, like, obviously the body wasn't found in the river. Yeah. Um, and nobody was found in the river at all. So that's... So it's it's kind of believed that he was just using this as, like, a, a lot of people who are on death row and people who are in prison confess to a lot of other murders or crimes, even if they didn't commit them. It's kind of a way to get them, like, some sort of benefit because oftentimes they can trade out information for, like, other things. So it's pretty much believed that he did that. Um, yeah, it's like covering for someone else. Yeah. So now we're going to get to talking about Rob. So Rob was Patrice's second, second husband. Second guy? Is this the second guy we're talking about? Third guy. Third, okay. Gary Hilton, Jeremy Jones, and Okay. Rob. So Rob was Patrice's second husband, 
and someone who is believed by many, including Pistol and, you know, other friends and family, to be the main suspect in Patrice's disappearance. Um, apparently Patrice wanted to divorce Rob because his overly jealous tendency. So he was one of those husbands who didn't let her go out the house. He always had to say something about what she was wearing. If she was gone out working at the hair salon, he wondered why she wasn't getting back at Mm -hmm. a certain time. He was just one of those guys. And I mean, can you blame her for wanting a divorce? But anyway, one thing that I found like so strange about this is that, and put yourself in the picture, I guess. Rob literally changed all the locks to him and Patrice's home only 24 hours after Patrice's disappearance. So I'm just kind of wondering what kind of husband who is desperate for his wife to return home and like desperate to find out, you know, if she's still alive, like what's going on. Like what kind of husband is going to change all the locks? What if she had gotten (laughs) abducted and was like running away and found her way back home but was running and then tried to get inside and all the freaking doors were locked yeah why would he even well yes but also if she had died in the serial or that guy who killed her or Mm -hmm. had tried gotten the keys and been like oh i'm going to her house and her driver's license has her address in theory but like i can tell you're definitely leaning towards him it's just really strange. He's very passionate about it being A lot him. of people are. But, and another thing about it is... Something um, a Reddit Rob, post. he wouldn't even allow Pistol to come and collect all of his things from the house. So he even locked Pistol out of the house. And he claimed that it was because he just didn't like Pistol. Is he a stepdad or something? Yeah. Oh. Um, also, he clings to a gas station receipt that accounts for his whereabouts during the time of her disappearance um as an alibi so he's like this is like he's waving it around he's like oh no there's no way i could have done this because i have this receipt from this gas station like that's his main piece of alibi and yes i mean that could be anyone's receipt theory well even if it is his receipt okay yeah he was at this place at that time but who's to say he didn't get one of his friends or someone he knew to go abduct her anything and then or even just paid someone off. There's so killer. many ways it could have been him. There's so many and, what like, ifs. It's kind of strange that he's like, oh no, I have, this is like, and I'm not saying, like, he obviously has to defend himself if he didn't do this, but it's just his behavior. And you guys seriously need to go watch the Unsolved Mysteries um, episode on this case because he is interviewed in it. And, like, he's in a decent portion of the episode. But, like, something about that man is just so off. Um,. He even questions if Patrice was held captive for a while, and this part's disturbing. He even said he wonders if she was somebody's toy, which is what he said. That's the words he used? Somebody's toy. He said, I wonder if she was somebody's toys or if That's she was disgusting. held captive for a while. Like, That's why disgusting. would you even speak of that? Like, like yeah, that's why would disgusting. you say that out loud? But anyway. Okay. <laughs> okay, Rob. No, you guys are going to be kind of shocked by this, but one of the... I would have to say single-handedly the most strange, odd thing about this case, or at least the, you know, theories or whatever, is that Rob literally sleeps with Patrice's ashes every night. Okay, but... but And not only that, but but he carries around her skull. What is he trying to prove? I don't understand. He like carries her sus. skull around. That's with him weird. He no, goes. he and probably he like ashes every night. And he even said this in the freaking documentary, 
Like, are you serious? What did you think people were going to think of you? And I'm not saying, like, people obviously cope in different ways, but, like, That's that not... is very weird. It's not it. Um, that is not it. So, although Rob has never been officially classified as a suspect, he hasn't been ruled out yet. So, investigators continue to search for the answers they need to solve Patrice and Jones' murder. And that's all I got. Case closed. Yep. So, it just kind of sucks. I honestly really just want to know what happened. Good episode. Good episode. I really do think that he had something to do with it. Do you think so? Yes. I think even if he didn't kill her, I think he had something to do with it. Yeah. Without a doubt. Because he was like one of those crazy, abusive, jealous husbands. All All right, guys. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I did. It was a I feel like that was a really good episode. It was really informational, I feel like. It was yeah. really interesting. But, so, if you guys liked this episode, then definitely stay tuned for next week because, um... I have a very, a very interesting episode, episode so she's coming. she's going to be telling a story. Um... Get excited. So, yeah, definitely check out our Instagram at Grim Sessions Podcast. Leave us any messages, DM us or anything if there's any certain cases that you guys would like us to cover. And, other than that... Toodles! Bye! <laughs> <laughs>